0: Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers hosted by me, Patamaro, and Hats on Lamps. It's episode 115. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. So last week, we finished up reviewing the uh, top commons, and so this week, we're getting right back into it with the top uncommons. Hats, are you ready? Yes, yes. Yeah, so that's that's yes, the I'm kind ready. of a, <laughs> kind of enthusiasm you get on this show. Uh, so before we get into before we dig into this exciting topic, we're going to go over a few announcements. Uh, so first, there's our well, first and only there's our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Farming Eternal, where you can donate to the show, you can support the show. A number of uh, members of the community do. So, we like to give them a shout out each week. So, thank you to D Dub, John, Demo, Steve Irwin, Cotillion, Low Key Trickster, Mercurio Blue, Abidnego, Meagles, Madness, Darth Herman 2, Twin Hex, Jed the Homerid, Raven Dragon, Esrid0215, Sunblaze, Worked on Sun, and Yes Dow. Thank you for your continued support. And then also, we offered up uh, some sort of tandem tag team coaching session on the podcast for the Team Eternal Journey uh, charity tournament that they had. So a couple people won that. So uh, if you participated in that, thank you for giving to a charity. And uh, those episodes, or however, <laughs> however it happens, will be coming up soon. So I'll look forward to that, too. Um, so
1: then, Hats, how was your draft week? Pretty good. Um, I've been I've been do, doing other hobbies to some degree this week, but I've managed to squeeze in a few Eternal drafts, and they've gone well. Um, my hiatus from the game uh, doesn't seem to have made me too rusty, <laughs> because I'm um, my score is pretty good right now. Uh, I don't I I haven't checked to see who's at number one right now, but uh, I guess I should have my sights on them. Uh, see if I can the number one spot like the days of old back when i was doing back when i was doing that all the time um, uh, i as always i don't feel like i'm doing anything particularly special in this format uh it's just these tiny i've just got some kind of tiny little edge uh probably everyone doing really well is doing something slightly different but we probably agree on you know, what the very best cards are, and, you know, a, a handful of effective strategies, and, and we're doing those things. So, yeah, I guess, uh, so I can't pin it down what exactly I'm doing well, but maybe there will be some, you know, stuff, some, uh, some tips and things in this very episode that, uh, will illuminate it.
0: As yeah, I try it's...
1: to articulate why in the world <laughs> <laughs> my random haphazard mistake laden approach to draft is somehow working better than anything else.
0: Yeah, it, I, it is interesting to that point. Um, Alabazoo on the Discord has been uh, sort of cranking out spreadsheets and charts and everything based on the 7Win uh, spreadsheet we have. Uh and kind of just like looking at different aspects of like, you know, like the makeup of decks or like what different uh, top contributors are doing. And it is pretty interesting to see like what contributors are like favor what colors and stuff, you know, like Frafa is one of the few contributors we have. And he's he's like our number one contributor right now. And he's one of the few people that like heavily favors Shadow in this format or at least you know his seven win decks heavily favor shadow and uh there's just like a lot of and then there's like other people you know and then gunners more injustice and like it's like really interesting to kind of see like all of these top drafters sort of have their own unique style
1: of what's working or at least what's showing up in the spreadsheet I think what was the the one I didn't look at all of the spreadsheets. I'll, uh, I'll be honest, but the one that I did look at for a little while was uh, the power card breakdown, like how much inscribe and how much how many uh, how many sigils people are playing in their in their seven wind decks. And I'm towards the low end of that, like along with very few other people, where I almost always play fifteen uh, power cards, the minimum. And I don't really play that many inscribed cards. Like I probably have uh, between three and five in each deck Um, and I'm doing fine. Seems that that's enough. (laughs) Apparently. Yeah.
0: Right. And then it was like interesting because then there was like someone like Gunner who also played near 15, but then played a ton of inscribe.
1: Yes. That that apparently Um, also works. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's just like, it's kind of interesting. You know, I think it's, a thing we i harp on a lot in the show is just like a, a lot of finding success in draft is finding what works for you than some exact ultimate truth and uh, i i think uh this format especially you know or at least all the charts that alabazoo <laughs> uh created and posted on the discord show that
1: yeah yeah, and it's an imperfect uh, system because we're just looking at people's winning drafts, uh, but uh, you know, it's better It's it's better than nothing. Uh, it's enough to make a chart. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And I mean, and then there's still like wildly divergent opinions. We were talking about this offline uh, or before the show, like there was a like a what the pick on the Discord today, and someone posted like, it was like there was like a bang and then there was like a find the moment and then uh there was an eavesdrop which wasn't really in consideration for me um but then gunner was like yeah i'd probably take find the moment and then eavesdrop next and then maybe bang and it was just like interesting to see like how highly people are still even picking certain cards compared to other people
1: And I was also surprised to see eavesdrop that high, but I did endorse Gunner's comment there because it did seem right for that pack. Right. And I have had similar experiences with Bang, which will sometimes randomly win you the game, but the key word here is randomly. (laughs) It will also sometimes do nothing and take up two of your turns. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah, I think Bang is much, much better... When you're ahead and on four
1: then, uh, than when you are behind and not on four. Yeah, well, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> definitely supposed to be an aggressive card, but um, it's also it's also an incredibly unreliable card. <laughs> yes, agreed. Um, all right, so card of the week. What is your card this week? What is my card this week? My card this week is Runebinder. Uh, which is a shadow common in cold hunt it it costs three and one shadow it is a one one with deadly and life steal and it has a contract ability contract to deal two damage to the enemy player Uh, it's my card of the week because i think it's one of the most confusingly designed cards in the set and i i still have trouble wrapping my head around it and when i should take it and when i should play it in my final deck but um i have played it a bit i'm never i'm i'm rarely totally unhappy with the thing because that first uh four point life swing when it comes into play is is pretty good when you're trying to stabilize and then it has an advantage that a lot of one one deadly units uh don't have which is that when it attacks your opponent kind of has to do something about it because it's Keeping you alive if it, if if they just let it through, which is what you do normally when a one one deadly attacks your various scorpions and things, um, then it gains a life and it makes you harder to kill, and that that feels like a lot of pressure somehow, even though it's really only you know a two point life swing, it still makes it so that your opponent kind of has to do, uh, has to do something about it if they ever want to win the game, so. I think it's strong, but it's also incredibly easy to kill. And so if you're forced to play it without using the contract and just play it as a 1-1 deadly, uh, almost everything in the format kills it. The format is super unkind to things with one health. And uh, and then, you know, it's no better. It, then it's just a very bad card. <laughs> you paid three for a 1-1 that died. Um, but also uh, there are relic weapons in this format. Uh, some very good ones, Stonebreaker Bow and such, uh, and Runebinder takes care of those very efficiently.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah, well, efficiently yeah, is the it's wrong not a card word. that I
0: pick highly, but see every once in a while, but I still, like, I don't know. Paying three for this does feel like a lot, um, and I, like, never liked the flying deadly three-drop one that... Uh, but yeah, that didn't have lifesteal. And I, I do think it's interesting that this card is one of those few with like a contract ability where it does feel option. it's like an a little it's a nice extra bonus.
1: Right. Yeah. A lot of contract abilities are a set are are basically required um and they might as well just they might as well just be mandatory because there's no reason to play the card otherwise. Uh this one is optional.
0: Yes. All right. So then, uh, my card this week is a uh, coastal envoy, uh, another common and it is the one justice two one soldier with contract two, uh, gain three armor. And, uh, I, I wanted to talk about this one because uh, I recently was discussing a deck with Alabazoo and, uh, it was kind of interesting because he had mentioned like, he had this weird kind of armor package in his deck but then and then was like uh he doesn't i guess draft aggressive decks very often but he had this like weird armor package and then he had a couple like late game cards like two uh ruined swords and and uh sky patrol he's like, I'm thinking of cutting these because I don't really want to get to seven or eight. And then he's like, I also want to cut these coastal envoys because, you know, they're just like a one drop and I already have a lot of two drops. And I was like, well, if you're trying not to get to the late game, why would you be cutting your one drops? Uh, Especially when another one of a couple of his two drops were uh, the switchblade Deadeye, the uh, two cost two one with only two ways to trigger them. And I was like, well, coastal envoy just seems like almost superior <laughs> to the, yeah, to yeah. the dead eyes as costing half as much and having the same stats. The larger point is I think, you know, two ones are a surprisingly okay body in this format. Like there's just like, there's a lot of two twos at, co- at two cost. You know, you're, your two ones kind of can like attack in your opponents tend to not do anything till turn three or four sometimes. And I just feel like uh, I, especially cause I've been playing a lot of uh, rakano recently, my coastal envoys have really put in a lot of work as just being like an early drop to put on a little bit of pressure and then they can eventually like trade off with some of your opponent's stuff. And this feels like one of the, best formats for a one power two one (laughs) in my opinion
1: uh maybe hot take there well it's just not packed full packed full of one drops like the last format was uh yeah i think coastal envoy is fine um that's another one where you don't have to use the contract obviously uh but it's nice if you are flooding to just gain three armor um and also if you have any relic weapons in your deck at all it's just sort of nice to have envoys occasionally to to, to boost them, um, you don't need a lot of uh, sort of armor synergy to justify having this guy in the deck. And also, there's not a lot of other ways to gain armor in in the current set. Like they could change the draft pack so that there was more of an armor theme. Um, there's not much of one right now, but you, you don't you don't need any specific synergy uh, if you do have if you do have a relic weapon or two. And there are a few of those.
0: No, and I mean it. And what's kind of interesting is um because it's a contract cost like just sort of by adding one cost to any of your relic weapons you get
1: to add three armor to it sort of the turn you play it which is a a pretty big boost yeah yeah it's not bad yeah and then you know you lose uh, just like with any of the contract cards you lose a little bit of uh power next turn but you don't need it because you already have this this relic weapon that's probably going to two for one them
0: yeah. So I'm not saying it's a great card, but I, I, I think you shouldn't underestimate this, especially if you're finding yourself in a more aggressive deck and more aggressive colors. I've liked it in both, uh, Ar- Argent port, some of my more aggressive Argent port decks or, uh, my more aggressive Rakano decks. I think if you have a, a good number of aggressive two drops, you know, adding a few aggressive one drops can't, can't hurt.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a solid little role player in 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 specific decks, but yeah, I don't I don't take them all that high. I need to know that I'm in that deck before I'm uh, before I'm actually looking for them.
0: Oh, definitely. But that's a a hundred percent agree. I, that's one of the nice things is you sort of they come late because no one really wants them, but then they end up they can end up doing some work. Yes, indeed. All right. So on to the seven win run breakdown. This is our long stay standing data collection project here at Farming Eternal and the podcast where our listeners can send in their seven win drafts they do to either farmingeternal at gmail.com or post them to their seven win channel on the discord and either export a deck list or any kind of eternal war cry link. And then we take that, uh, all of that all the deck lists. We put them in a spreadsheet where you can see sort of what factions and what cards are standing out in the format. Um, As well as, uh, like I mentioned, Al Bazoo has been doing a a little bit of digging into the data and posting those results on the Discord. So that's another way you can interact with it. Um, And then uh, we like to give a shout out to everyone who submitted a list this week. And man, the lists continue to come in fast and furious. We're now at uh, 383 lists with over 65 unique contributors. Uh, yeah, so pretty cool. So thank you to our, our new contributors our Second Battery, Knife and Marcus Gwindle, and Mark Zilla. And our veteran contributors are Abidnego, Agent Dynamo, Al Alex Fierro, Abgots, Beard Broken, Caruthers, Cat Planet, Cigar Pete. Cotillion, Darth Herman 2, D Vincent Frappa Gunner Hats on lamps. I'm so bad. It belong no Jed the Hammered John Holio, Lode Perth Madness Madioker North Old Rich Out on the Limp, Patamaru oh,
1: Hats. I was looking at something else. No, I don't During... know. How. We should ask because they're active on the Discord. Let's just ask how they say the name. <laughs> Phil, what what did he say last week? Phil Lethis. Phil Lethis. Let's say it's okay. sort of Well, that's where we're going
0: with. Philolithes, Phoenix, Pixel Sorted, Raven Dragon, Sakarnin, SSJ1997, Tempest Dragon King, Vader, who does that, in Yam Yam. Whew. So we did it. We did All right. It. So uh, <laughs> what? <laughs>
1: Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I was agreeing. We did it.
0: <laughs> so we're going to get right into the main topic, which is uh, you – uh, the top uncommons of the format. Usually what we do is we list our top five, we list our sort of top commons and, and uh, break it down by what uncommons we would pick over that. Uh, this time we're gonna sort of use the top uncommons that are appearing in the spreadsheet and kinda off the cuff decide sort of a, about where we would take those. To start with, I did wanna talk about what our top five commons were. I think uh, we both kind of agree. It's, there's really a top four then like the fifth is a little bit wishy-washy on uh there's a a bunch of sort of cards right in that like 1.5
1: yeah so i guess the top four uh our our uh searing fist uh the in red um in fire rather in those find the moment injustice call the hit in shadow and caloric mix in primal and that's You know, more or less in that order.
0: No, I I agree with that more or less. I might take caloric mix over call the hit, but you know, it's it's pretty close. And I would take
1: not because it's I would take call the hit, not because it's a better card by itself, but because I'd just rather be in shadow pick one.
0: Yeah, I, I, I like Shadow a lot too, so I uh I agree. I've had a couple bad experiences with call the hit, but that was also before it was fast. And so now that it's improved, it's there's probably fewer fewer feel bad moments.
1: I, I think there are, yeah. And it really makes. I mean, it's a little bit like remember t- when Torch was fast, and you would you would sort of always be ahead of the game if uh, you you know you would have you would play out your even if you were going second, uh, your opponent plays one power, you play one power, they play their two drop, you kill it. And you play your second power, and now you're ahead on board. It call the hit is like that now because you can almost always kill their two drop, and then you're ahead, and you you uh, you uh, gain back the, gain back the advantage that you lost by going second.
0: All right, so now we'll we'll go through the uncommons again uh, we'll, by color. So uh, these are just the order that they're appearing in the spreadsheet, not necessarily our exact ordering of card strength um but number one according uh that are the most sorry number one sort of of the uncommons that are appearing in the spreadsheet is a jeering yeti which is the two cost three one and then when your opponent casts a spell on one of your units you draw a treasure trove or what is it a power burst
1: just a power, draw burst. A power burst. treasure trove would be crazy but no just power burst also it has inscribe yeah, I think that makes all the difference. It wouldn't be on this list if it didn't have inscribed, but it does, so it is. Yes. Is this a card you're high on? Yeah, I like it. Uh, I, I didn't actually like it when I first looked at it, but then I saw it in play and realized, oh, this thing is, you know, it's either, my, it's either my depleted power on one so I can play the rest of my hand, or it's a perfectly fine two-drop that my opponent has to, like, sort of mess up their game plan so they can uh so they can trade with it rather than casting a spell which is a little dangerous. So yeah, it's it it, it uh it, it lives up to its name where <laughs> it's jeering and it makes uh and it and it scrambles your opponent's brain a little bit. I don't know if it's like my first pick uncommon, it definitely isn't um in fire, but it's uh, I'm not surprised that people are playing it and doing well with it.
0: All right, so you wouldn't pick it, you would pick a searing fist over it.
1: Would I pick a Searing Fist over it? No, I'd actually pick during Yeti over a Searing Fist. That, I would okay. pick, yeah,
0: That's the that's the
1: question we're after this episode. Oh, fair enough. Uh, let me focus here. Yes, I would pick it over a Searing Fist. So it belongs on this list. Okay. Okay, number two, Battlefront Dasher.
0: That's the one fire, two one, contract two, give a unit plus one, plus one, and
1: charge. Yeah, and I definitely would pick this over... Um, over Searing Fist. Sometimes it just wins a game on its own because it's a 3-2 with charge on turn one and your opponent can't do anything about it for the first four turns. And maybe you have removal in your hand so they can't do anything about it ever. Uh, Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it doesn't win every game, but it is super obnoxious when it does win. Agreed. I I love the card. Um, All right,
0: uh, number three is Draconic Looting which is the three fire uh, spell with inscribed draw three cards, discard them at the end of the turn.
1: I don't think I would take this over Searing Fist, actually. I haven't seen this card be all that impressive. I think sometimes it's a draw two, but it's a draw two that you can't play early game. Um, I've never seen anyone actually use all three cards that you, that they draw. And a lot of the time they it's only enough power to say you know play one of the sigils that you drew and then one other card and then it it hardly seems worth the trouble (laughs) it does have inscribe and so it's easy to put in any deck but i don't think uh and i'll play it i'll definitely pick it up once i know i'm in fire but i don't go into fire for it and i would definitely take some of uh fire's top commons over it so yes Regardless of it being on the our uh, doing well on our spreadsheet, I wouldn't personally take it that high.
0: All right, and then number four is Oni Forge Master, which is the six fire, fire six four with inscribe, contract two, draw a weapon from your void and give it double damage.
1: Uh, Oni Forge Smith, Um, and yeah, and this it's good because it has inscribe and there it has some really brutal combos in this format. But I don't take it that high at this point because I don't know if I'm going to have any of those combos. Um and so again, I would actually take, I would actually take searing fist over it. The way this interacts with stonebreaker bow is just mind blowing. Yeah. Oh, it's it's awful. I've, I've it's <laughs> absolutely awful when that happens. Um, but because uh, I've never done it, uh, I've had it happen to me, and then it's like, yeah, okay, I guess I lose. Um, but no, uh, we,
0: yeah, for me, I'm still like, oh, I I think I can
1: survive this hit, and then I'm yeah. like, wait. What? How much yeah, no, it does. No, you're taking twelve. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're taking twelve damage, and you already got hit for like eight damage by the stonebreaker bow the first time it was out. Um, so yeah, it's it's very brutal. Um, and if you're the sort of drafter who just takes all the stonebreaker bows every single draft, uh, then by all means. Uh, Take the Forge Smith when you see it because it will it will complement that strategy really well. <laughs> but I very I don't ever do that deck, so um, I, I'm, I'm not going to take it that high.
0: All right, and then I just want to throw out three honorable mentions of uh, Bullseye, which is the one, the fast spell that deals two damage, can destroy a relic, Bang, our lovable uh, four fire fire three three hero that summons a random weapon and you get some debt and Chakram Throw which uh, for six plays a uh, fast speed uh, steel Fang Chakram. Are any of these a top uncommon that you might take over I would uh, take bu- fist?
1: I would take Bullseye over, spearing fit, over Searing Fist, rather. Um, it's just the fast speed, I value that a lot, and the fact that there are a handful of relics that it will just sort of randomly kill. Um, and also, well, I, I definitely wouldn't take Bang over Searing Fist. We talked about this a little bit um, before the before the show but bang did we talk about it on the show or before the show (laughs) i forget (laughs) yeah i also forget (laughs) oh boy i'm getting old uh but uh yeah bang can randomly win you the game uh but it can also randomly lose you the game so i'm not high on it it is worth uh, playing if if you're if you're in a fire deck sort of as you know the top end after you've laid down some some one twos and threes, uh, but I, I I just don't take it uh, that high. It's like not a reason for me to be playing fire because I see an early bang. You know I'm not going to chase it. And Chakram throw I think is actually borderline unplayable. Um, it it seems like it should be good, and I've just never I've just never seen it do any good work in this format yet.
0: I know that's what I feel like, but then I see like people like John Holia will have two of them in their deck.
1: And then I'm like, maybe I'm the crazy one. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Like, I again, I don't draft fire aggressive fire decks that often in this format, so I don't know how to, to draft them right. Um, again, I'm doing fine, so I don't need to change what I'm doing. But um, uh, if, I, if I were drafting, like, stone scar decks and, like, uh, really aggressive fire decks, then maybe I should be putting Chakram Throws in them. But because I'm not taking Chakram Throws uh i'm even less likely to go into fire so it's sort of a self-fulfilling you know loop. Yeah.
0: all right we'll move on to uh the time on commons uh, there's only three because there is a draft pack card in this list mm-hmm. but uh number one for time on commons is cloud scraper which is the five time time six five with inscribe contract to put an enemy unit with flying on the bottom of its owner's deck So this was changed recently. It used to be enemy unit with cost two or less, and now it's an enemy unit
1: with flying. That, I think, actually wasn't the biggest change because it used to be a six power six six. Oh, really? Yeah, they changed it a lot. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, they changed it into a five power six five. I hope I'm right about this, but I remember it as a six power six six. So we're going with it. Um, and then yeah, and then it uh, it could only put an enemy unit uh, that costs two or less. Uh, I, I the, like whether what kind of enemy unit it buries is sort of uh, is sort of a wash. Like there's not a lot of huge flyers in this format really that this thing can target. Like it's not good against Snow Peak Eagle, for example, but. The fact that um, a five power six five in time is already like a card that you're like, oh good, <laughs> you know, you see it and you're like, great, I get to put this in my deck. Um, the fact that it's that with inscribe and it has a, a a two for one power when it comes into play is is pretty good.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, the fact that yeah that you're getting such a big unit at five is pretty important. The fact that has inscribe and then. You know, like you said, it's 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 hard to evaluate <laughs> which of the old con- what which contract was better. I think the flying is more swingy. Like it'll sometimes just win you the game, sure. as compared to the two costs, sort of like hit more things.
1: Um, but. Yeah, I, I think it's just like you mess with your opponent's board a little bit, but I'm really just having a six five for five within scribe. If this were a common, would be times best common instantly.
0: Yes. And so you'd take that for searing fit, over Searing Fist? Yeah, I, def- I would.
1: I, I The only reason that I don't have more Cloud Scrapers in my seven-win list is I have literally never seen one in a pack since they changed the card. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: all right, so number two is Marison's Legacy, uh, which is the sixth time-time-time play a 1-1 one, one Scorpion with Deadly, a 2-2 two, two Locust with Flying, and a 3-3 three, three Sandcrawler with Overwhelm.
1: Yeah, and that's obviously a good card. It really stabilizes the board well, and it gives your opponent a lot of things to deal with. However, I wouldn't take it over Searing Searing Fist, uh, and that's just for one reason. I need a super good reason to go into time, and uh, and, that's, and this isn't enough because it is triple time. So you're in time if you're trying to play Marison's Legacy, and I I won't take them that high. I don't I don't think I'm. I think I differ from a lot of other good drafters in this, actually. I think there are some people who will see legacy and just go, great, I'm in time. I can make this work. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. I just haven't had such great success with trying to force time. So now I, uh, I I need to see the time is definitely open partway through the pack before I start moving in on cards like this.
0: Yeah. And I think that is reflected in the spreadsheet a little bit. like Cloud Scraper. Uh, there's 51 copies of Cloudscraper in our spreadsheet, and there's only 30 copies of Marison's Legacy. So that that's actually one of the hugest drop-offs from <laughs> number
1: one to number two in a color. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think that's because like le- there's anything wrong with legacy. It's just that it's it's such a commitment to time uh, compared to almost any other uncommon. I don't think anything else even has three triple uh, a triple cost of its faction. Nope, it's the only one. Yeah.
0: Um, all right, and then the the final card is Bathe in Light, which is the six time time. A uh, fast spell with Inscribe gain six life. You and your units in, are invulnerable to damage
1: this turn. Yeah, we talked about this last week. I'm a fan of this card, um, I, but I wouldn't take it over Searing Fist because I would want to know that I was in time and also a slow time deck that wants to stall before I would pick this up and play it. Yes,
0: uh, agreed. Um, a couple other cards, you know, like there's some cheaper, there are actually a few cheaper <laughs> uncommon time cards than Over in the list, like a kickflip monk, another card that was changed. It's uh, used to be a two-time one-four with inscribe and flying on the enemy turn. Cards can't leave voids, uh, which hates on revenge units, yours included. Um, But now is a two-time two-two with inscribe, and then gains plus two and flying on the enemy turn.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty good. Um, It's not like a remarkable card though. I don't pick them up that early. Even with Inscribe, um, this is like a like a a card that I'm picking up fourth or fifth if I see it because it's a sign that time is open. Right. Okay.
0: I think that's the the, the main other notable time card. So I think on to so. Justice. Um, okay. Justice, our number one faction uh, so far in the spreadsheet, our most common, uncommon in Justice. Is alchemy student, which is the one justice one one contract to give a unit plus one plus one and life steal.
1: Yeah, I'm actually surprised that it's number one, but I would take it over searing fist. It's a it's it's a very versatile little card um, that can either come down as a two two with life steal on turn one, which is not quite as good as some of the other similar units, but is still like that's a lot of pressure to put down on turn one and And then just being able to give anything Lifesteal is brutal. Like, if you're in Huru, you can give like a Stormpeak Eagle (laughs) this power, and then it's a 3-4 Lifesteal Flyer with Aegis. That's pretty good. Um, There's a lot of good targets for it. Uh, So, yeah. And then, of course, you've got the 1-1 as well, which you can... uh, there's not a lot of sacrifice synergy in this format, but you um, you can give it buffs, you can chump block with it. It's a good card.
0: Yeah, I agree. It is kind of interesting that this card is so high. I think part of that is just like it's less obviously powerful than the others, so probably gets passed more is is my guess.
1: Yeah, that might be what it is. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty high sure for me, though. I'll
0: evaluate this card because unlike the other ones, like, like you said, sort of is this is one of the worst on the sort of as a turn one or turn two play but then is such a powerful ability later in the game Um,
1: yeah it can do either um but yeah no it it i don't think it stands out in the same way and partly because justice has a lot of solid cards so it's a, a little bit of a tough sell to take alchemy student over some of them even some of the commons
0: yeah all right, so then number two is Brigade Hall, the three Justice uh, Relic. Once per turn, you may pay five to give a unit plus three, plus three in Endurance's turn. And then Summon, play a 3-3 three, three Bear.
1: Yeah, and um, let's see, I think that, I, I mean, I, I was just uh, quickly scanning over how it compares to cards in other uh, in other factions because I know that it's definitely one of justice's best cards period but um, I guess there are a, there's a handful of, of, of cards that that uh, are obviously uh, showing up more in uh, in the seven win lists than Brigade Hall anyway I think it's uh, I think it's probably the best card the best uncommon overall um, Brigade Hall, makes a unit and then makes all of your units from then on a big threat and then also uh just randomly hoses primal <laughs> because primal still has some stun and uh brigade hall uh cancels stun and i've gotten the chance to do that quite a few times a lot of times i think my opponent is just like well i had this card that stunned things in my hand might as well show it to them because it's it's blank now. <laughs> at least make him use the brigade hall this turn. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, I think I mean there, there's no question that it's a powerful card. Um, but it's I think it's better than I thought it was at first because it's just kind of a slow format, so you have time to pay five once in a while for uh, for the bonus. And I I really enjoy just sort of as a puzzle when I've gotten into some sort of a board stall situation. My opponent is trying to put up a defense. And then I can use Brigade Hall to just sort of surgically take down the wall that they've put put up by uh, attacking with just, like, something that makes all of their blocks awkward. Uh, And so it sort of rewards skill and and thoughtful play as well. So there's a lot of reasons to like it. And I'll take it over any common easily and probably most of the other uncommons. I would take it over some of the cards here that um, uh, that, are—that—that— are are obviously more popular than it. We haven't actually gotten to any of those yet because they're in shadow and primal, but um, but I would take it easily over some of those.
0: Yeah, and I I think uh, yeah, I mean part of the brigade hall compared to its little cousin, uh, what was that called?
1: Siege uh, something. Siege
0: provisions. Yeah, is that brigade hall is good early because it play it's a three three for three worst-case scenario, which is a great stat line. Yeah, yeah, it's totally fine. And then, unlike a lot of power sinks that are on units, this unit can die and you still have the power sink because it's a relic. Yep. All right, so, and then finally, uh, the third card is Curfew Patrol, which is uh, the four-cost... 3-3, 3-3, three, three, Aegis Lifesteal, Contract 3, Silence an Exhausted Enemy Unit.
1: And I like that card a lot, too. It's, uh, I, I This is another card where you don't even really need to use the contract. It's nice to be able to um, silence something, but sometimes you're, the, the unit that you want to silence isn't exhausted, and then you just play this 3-3 with Aegis and Lifesteal and and your opponent's life is a nightmare, you know? (laughs) Because either you have a trick and then you make this giant and they can't do anything about it because it's got Aegis, um, or... uh, or, or it just makes it so your opponent can't really effectively attack because when, when you attack, it's a six-point uh, swing. So, yeah, it's a, it's just a solid little card. It does cost two Justice, which means that you're starting to commit to Justice pretty early, but um, I don't mind that because Justice is so good.
0: Yeah, I agree. And it sort of synergizes with a lot of uh, Justice's cards. Like, there's the Star-Kissed Wings. Um, you know, you can give it Flying, which is pretty good. Yeah, uh, like you said, there are there are tricks. There are other weapons. There's Brigade Hall. Great, great on Curfew Patrol. Yep. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. And then the only other I think uh, uncommon in consideration uh, that I want to get your opinion on is defend the Treasury, which is the two Justice fast spell kill a unit with an even cost.
1: I think it's good. I think a lot of important units in this format cost either like six or four, occasionally two, Uh, just because it's sometimes hard to get an early defense. It's nice to have um, a card that can kill that two drop because there's a bunch of really nasty two drops. On the one hand, there's not very many two drops in the format, but the ones that there are, you don't really want hitting you. So it's nice to have another way of killing those things if you have to.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, So would you take Defend the Treasury over any of the top commons? No,
1: actually, I wouldn't, because most of the top commons are also removal, but they're more versatile than Defend the Treasury is. So, yeah, no, I would take all of those commons over Defend the Treasury. All right. And I do want to give an honorable mention. I want to give an honorable mention to Roosting Griffin, uh, which is the seven justice justice five four flyer. Uh, and when it attacks, your other units are invulnerable to damage this turn. Uh, I think this is a very strong card. It costs seven, so of course it better be. Um, but I first picked one of these the other day and then went on to go seven-one with that deck easily because I had Roosting Griffin in it and for no other reason. So <laughs> I have to believe there's something good about the card. Uh, it's easy to kill because, of course, Searing Fist and anything else that does four damage kills it. But um, But by the time you start dropping sevens, they usually don't have those cards in their hand anymore, so um so the griffin just gets to take them apart.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is just one of those cards that it's always powerful when it's played against you. But I because your opponent has managed to get to seven and then uh play this huge sort of it's a bomb if you play it and can un sort of attack with it, but man paying seven without inscribed or anything is just it's a tough ask
1: for me for me personally i get yeah, that's fair enough i'm not saying i would take it over searing fist i wouldn't <laughs> i'm just yeah. saying that it's a it's uh it's good top end in a in a format that uh is is often slow and lets you play your seven drops yes it's a lot better than like a ractodon or something you know yeah, 100%. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um,
0: all right, so Primal and Commons. Uh, number one in Primal is Cloudline Shaman, which is the uh, six... Where is it? Sorry. Is the five Primal Primal, 3-3 three, three with Aegis, Contract 4, play a 3-3 three, three Sky Serpent with Flying.
1: Yeah. So... Oh, what do I have to say about Cloudline Shaman? Um, so the like the contract cost is very. This was one of the cards that made me realize that uh, that they needed to make contract as expensive as it is because this is nine power over over the course of uh, you know one or two turns to make two three threes, which is not great, but the fact that they both come down on five means you don't need any power on the next turn because your opponent has to spend their whole turn either dismantling the you know the trying to get rid of the three three they can't get rid of the uh sorry the the um the serpent they they have to try to fi- do something about the the flyer they can't do anything about the three three on the ground because it's got aegis um it's just throws up a giant wall so yeah it's definitely a good card and if i'm in primal i'm excited to see it i don't go into primal because I see one in my opening pack like i might if it's otherwise a weak pack but um maybe this is just me like my my so so where i another thing in one of alabazoo's charts that I noticed was that i am almost perfectly aligned with our with our overall statistics on which factions i favor like i'm like i'm i'm a, a little more Justice than anything else, and then after that, more Fire and Shadow, and then there's a big drop-off to Primal and another big drop-off to Time, which reflects the statistics that we have exactly. And and that that's reflected in my first picks, too. And so uh, even though Cloudline Sh- Cloud Shaman is awesome, I, I'm not going to first pick it because I don't know if I'm going to be able to put together a good Primal deck.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I, I'm a little higher on it, I think, than you are because I... I sort of went the other way where at first I was like, man, you know, your baseline, you're paying five for 3-3 three, three Aegis, and there's a, a four-cost 3-3 three, three Aegis in Primal at Common. And then the 3-3 three, three Flyer is a two-cost unit. So you're like, really, you're overpaying a lot for both halves. But man, whenever you play this, like you're saying, it is such a nightmare that it kept going up and up in my estimation. And like multiples, you're like, how could you ever afford that? But y- you do. And, and then now you just have this like unbeatable board that is such a headache for your opponent. Um, so I, I really like the card. I mean, I I think I would, I would first pick it I think I like the other Primal Uncommon number two better than it, and I would pick that first. But uh, I think I would take Cloudvine Shaman over Searing Fist. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. But speaking of the other Primal Uncommon, uh, there is Terriax Mount, the one cost one two dinosaur explorer with contract two give a unit plus one plus one in flying.
1: Yeah, and, and this one I would definitely take over Searing Fist um, because this is a good enough card that I would um, like that I might try to play Primal or even splash it uh, because it only has one, one, uh, one Primal faction symbol in its cost. And that's because it's very cheap and also versatile and there's a lot of things that are very deadly if you give them flying um including just otherwise mediocre cards like Yeti intellectual and uh some of those some of those uh dangerous two drops that only want to get in for one hit and not in not in primal so much, but if you're like film or something like that, there's a lot of stuff that you 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 want attacking and uh, that might not be able to attack by itself. And then it also, it's just a devastating turn one play sometimes because you just give it flying itself, and then it's a two three flyer on one, and then you don't need to play anything on turn two because you're already hitting your opponent pretty hard. Yeah,
0: agreed. It's it's such a good turn one play, and then. You know, we've learned from Cobalt Acolyte how strong of a card that is. This is like a, a stronger, more flexible Cobalt Acolyte.
1: It is. Uh,
0: all right. Uh, then the other two top Primal and Commons, there's a Grizzled Guard, which is a Draft Pack card. And then number three is actually Sweet Dreams, uh, the Invoke card. And I think we'll discuss those at the end here.
1: Yeah, those are separate.
0: Yep. Uh, so we'll move on to shadow top uncommons. Uh, so, or wait, sorry.
1: Do we want to give
0: honorable mentions to any of yeah, the other did. uncommons? Sorry. Yeah, I Yeah, I forgot about honorable mentions. <laughs> I guess for Primal, the two honorable mentions that come to mind for me are Stormblast, uh, which we talked about last week, uh, which is the two cost. You can deal four damage to a unit, um, that came into play, or negate a spell that costs four or less.
1: And I do love uh, this card, but it, it's it's not an early pick for me. It's just something that I like seeing if I'm already thinking about drafting Primal.
0: Exactly. Uh, how about a card like Caustic Rain, uh, which is the deal two damage to each unit in sight and has
1: inscribed cost four. It's fine. Uh, because it has Inscribe, it's, there's a low opportunity cost for putting it in your deck. Uh, I, I haven't ever really seen it be all that devastating, but uh, especially because there's a lot of sweepers in this format, like a surprising number, and Caustic Rain is a little weak compared to some of those. But it, um, it's tough to set up a board situation where Caustic Rain is going to be really good. But again, because it has Inscribe, I'm not going to cut it from my primal decks very often.
0: All right. And then how about the... Um... Oh, geez. What, what's it called?
1: Oh,
0: uh, the Uncommon Crystallize, uh, Tr- Trigantha's Breath.
1: Yeah, Trigantha's Breath is pretty good. I don't know. It's not like Crystallize because it doesn't also wipe out some of your opponent's stuff. Uh, but it's it's usually good. I, yeah, I, I, I think it the, should like be amazing. Surprise underperformers for me. Yeah, it looks like it should be awesome, because it should be so close to crystallize, and it's easier to c- cast, and it's it's cheaper and everything. But, yeah, it's tough to make it actually uh, great. But it, sometimes it is. Um, sometimes it is great. I'm playing one in the deck that I have right now, and uh, most of the time, because it's sort of a Yeti intellectual deck, uh, most of the time it just lets me draw another card, and it doesn't actually kill my opponent. But, I don't know, it's fine. yeah. <laughs>
0: My weird thing I have with this card sometimes is like sometimes I think because other people also don't like it or maybe they don't like primal. You sometimes end up with like two or three of these in your pool. And I'm like, am I supposed to play three of these? I don't like am I supposed to play two? I, I don't know. Would I play two crystallizes? I guess. <laughs> and I, mean, I, you I would, get very you would play confused.
1: You would play two crystallizes for sure. So yeah, it seems like you should play all of the Churgans Breaths, but I don't think it's right. Yeah, exactly. So it's a very confusing card to me. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, it is. Yeah, and then
1: there are plenty of uncommons. Top... Okay, never. Sorry. Uh, I mean, there's also Learn to Bite and Dartimus Iceblade, both of which you're happy to see if you're in primal, but uh, but they're not they're not first picks. I w- I wouldn't say yeah. over the top commons.
0: Yeah, learn to bite also. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's a, it's a good card. It's not in my top picks personally, but happy to see it. Sure. All right, so top uncommons in Shadow. Number one in the spreadsheet is Victimless Crime, which is the two-shadow fast spell kill a non-hero unit.
1: Yeah, really good removal. Um, All the heroes, uh, there are actually plenty of uncommon heroes, but it kills enough things and it costs two and it's fast that it's obviously a very, very good card.
0: Yes, and an interesting thing to note is that there are a lot, there are six uh, uncommon heroes. None of them so far have made the list.
1: Right, they're not the best uncommons in the format.
0: Um. Yeah, so this is just a powerful card. I think, I think you take this above Searing Fist.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, without question.
0: Yes. All right. Number two is Toxic Wisp, which is the one shadow one two contract two. give a unit plus one plus one and deadly.
1: Yeah, and this is uh, similar to Terriak's mount in some ways, although I don't think it's quite as strong. But it has that same uh, possibility of having early board presence, and then uh, you know, giving a unit plus one plus one and deadly often isn't as big a isn't as big a deal as giving it flying or lifesteal even. But it's still so just so versatile. It's a one two by itself. It's a two three with deadly by itself if it wants to be, um, and then just sort of giving that extra oomph to a flyer or something that wants to be able to attack in is is very giving it to something with overwhelm is very good uh there's just a lot of uses for it so picking it up early is uh just sort of makes all of your other units potentially better
0: yes i i agree all right and then number three is actually vermin's feast which is the six shadow shadow uh fast spell with inscribe swap the attack and health of one of
1: one unit with the attack and health of another unit. Yeah, I don't think this would be playable if it didn't have inscribe, but uh, because it has inscribe, yeah, it's fine. Because <laughs> there's not, I don't know, there's not a lot of situations on the board where you're you kind of have to have your opponent have a large unit and you have a small unit and then you get into combat and then, uh, and so obviously it's very good once um, once that happens, and it costs six, so. It's a six-cost combat trick, so it should be good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Vervin's <laughs> Beast, I, I assumed this was unplayable until people started talking positively about this, and then I put this in a few decks, and it was just, like, so versatile. Even sometimes I didn't even use it as a combat trick. You know, you just, like, have a dinky flyer in the air, and then they drop... A giant unit, and you're like, "Wow, why don't I? Ju- why don't I make your giant union a one-one, and my flyer a six-five? And like, I don't care if it happens in combat. I don't care if I don't kill any of your units. I'm now hitting you in the air for lethal." Um,
1: I think this is. I think this is one that I haven't had a lot of ex- uh, experience, like actually seeing it in play, and so I haven't developed a strong opinion about it. But I'll give it a shot. I play Shadow all the time, and occasionally I'll see this card in a pack. So. Try adding it in.
0: Yeah, I would give it... I just was surprised. It was kind of like what you were talking about with Brigade Hall, like the puzzle. Like, sometimes you just, like, get into a board state, and you're like, you have a Vermin's Feast, and then you're just like, oh, I wonder how I can use it, and you just, like, start thinking about it, and then you're like, whoa, this is going to be a huge blowout if I just, like, you know, like, sort of... some, You do some, like, counter counterintuitive switching, and then all of a sudden you have three for one with your card. Um, uh, so then uh, other, other I think, honorable mentions. Uh, there's a lot in Shadow, actually. Uh, number one is Zito, Cabal Cat, which is the one Shadow, one-one uh, with revenge, contract two, the enemy player discards a card of their, choi- of their choice from their hand.
1: Yeah, this is sort of one of my pet cards in the set. Um, and also my pet. My pet cat and my pet card. <laughs> no, uh, it's... I, I don't think this is like a powerhouse, but it is a super annoying card to play against. If I think it's one to keep our eyes on uh, when the draft packs change, because there's not a lot of sacrifice synergy in the current draft pack um, configuration. But if there were more, then I think this would be one of the best uh cards to play early so that you can use sacrifice synergy late Um, but as it is there's just not that many ways to get rid of it yourself so you're in that situation where you're like oh i hope they kill my zito so i can discard another card (laughs) but they don't they won't (laughs) they're not going to do it
0: yeah exactly uh this is not an honorable mention but uh someone uh recently did contract four usury writers against me and i i lost that game that was is a very surprising game
1: oh sure yeah i think i've i've had somebody try to mill me out too they haven't successfully done it but i I, there are some mill cards just kicking around uh in this set so i guess if you put them all in one deck maybe you've got something but yeah otherwise usury writer i don't think is even draftable or playable
0: no i agree that's why it was so surprising when they played four of them
1: yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs>
0: um, all right. Uh, a contentious card is Arachnoid Terror, which is the three Shadow Shadow, four, four, but it can attack or block if it, unless it has more attack than every other unit. It, but
1: contract five, kill an exhausted enemy unit. Yeah, uh, that's a hard card to evaluate. I have seen it be really good, and I've seen it be really bad. I think, uh, like Zito, it's another one to keep your eye on. If um, if if the if the sacrifice synergy picks up next time they do a shift, because being able to get rid of it if it becomes dead on board is uh, would be a useful thing. Um, yeah. You know, like sometimes this is you know this is the biggest unit on the board, and then it's an undercosted four four that also killed one of their units. That's really good, but the you know the downside is that your opponent can manipulate the board to make it absolutely useless once it's done its thing.
0: Yes. All right, then uh, right Kidnapper, the three shadow shadow three one with flying, summon the enemy player, discards a unit of your choice from their hand. Entomb, the enemy player draws a card.
1: That's another one that I don't pick that high just because uh, the downside for when it whiffs is so bad Uh, (laughs) because they still draw a card when it dies even if you didn't discard anything from their hand. Yeah. and uh, and I don't know. Uh, like sometimes, yes, you do get to take something out of their hand that they were really counting on playing. In fact, that happens pretty often, you know, because they've got their hand and they've got a they've got a game plan, and they're they're uh, saying, "Oh, I'm going to play this when I get to four And mm-hmm. the right kidnapper really interferes with that, but it's not hard to kill, uh, and uh, they get to draw a card. So you often you never end up ahead. Sometimes you end up behind. Uh, I think the decks that want Litherite Kidnapper are generally going to be aggressive decks where you actually want a 3-1 flyer for 3, and that's the main reason you're playing the card.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, so not a topic. And then uh, Inseparable, which is the 5-Shadow-Shadow, draw 2 units from your Void. Each hero drawn this way gets plus 2, plus 2.
1: And I like like having one of these in... In any shadow deck, pretty much, unless it's uh, the fastest of fast shadow decks, and even then, sometimes because it is a two for one, um, and there's not a lot of other ways of reloading your hand in this uh, uh, in this format from your void. Anyway, there's plenty of ways to draw cards. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, this is one of those cards that I was a little surprised when we found out the format could be as slow as it was that I didn't see more. But I hardly ever
1: see see the card. Yeah, I don't see it very often either, but I've noticed that whenever I cast it, I win the game where I cast it, and when my opponent casts it, it's very hard to win after that, so that seems like a the sign of a card that should be played in your decks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I wouldn't play a ton of them. Probably one is the number that I'm looking for most of the time. Right. All
0: right. So those were the, the color ones. I think that the last, set of cards that i really wanted to talk about were, was the invoke cycle um we have the top four from our spreadsheet that i I wanted to go over and then you could tell us if this is sort of your feeling of the order and whether which of which other ones you might pick above maybe some of these top comments or whether you'd pick any above the top comments so number one is stolen augmentation which is the three argent port a uh, fast spell. Give one of your units plus one plus one, and an enemy unit minus one minus one. Invoke Port. Number two is Sweet Dreams, which is the five-cost Felm card. It's a fast spell, and you get to uh, play a three-cost or less unit from your void. Give it plus two health, and then invoke Felm. Uh, We also did a constructed episode about this uh, this card. That's fine. Um, number four is or num- sorry, number three is Icy Hold, which is the Huru one, which says is a four cost spell, silence and stun a unit, invoke Huru. And number four is wrong turn, which is the Stone Scar one, uh, which is the four cost the enemy player chooses and sacrifices a unit,
1: relic, or site, invoke stone scar. Okay, well, I mean these are going to be affected by what pe- the the faction pairs that people are are playing and winning with, right?
0: Yes, I I agree with that to a certain extent. Yes,
1: um, I don't think there's any question stolen augmentation is the best one. I think it's the best by a long shot. Um, th- that's all of them are kind of two for ones. Well, not all of them are two for ones actually. Some of them are. Some of them are, are delaying tactics, and then you invoke and draw a card. Uh, Stolen Augmentation, on the other hand, sometimes, and this is like the ceiling for it, you have a unit in combat with one of your opponent's units, uh, you give that one plus one plus one, winning combat, kill their thorn crawler or something, anything that has one health, which is plenty of units, Uh, and then also draw an invoke card, which is always guardian angel. And then you you're really up (laughs) a lot. You're pretty, you're doing well in that game. Um, and when it's immediate, and also they've changed this card recently so that you can, you can cast it if you have only, um, if your enemy, uh, if your opponent has a unit on board and you don't have a unit on board, it used to be that you had to have two targets in order to cast it. Now you don't. So it's even better. If, for example, you're getting beaten down by a Thorncrawler, Crawler, uh, which is the perfect target for Stolen Augmentation, <laughs> you you can just kill it and draw a card off of the Invoke. So yeah, it's very very good. And also, Argent Port is very good. Um, and so if you've got a deck full of your three threes for two, and then Stolen Augmentation to back them up, um, that's a really that's one of the reasons why Argent Port is good in this format, is it has those cards in it. So that's yeah, easy.
0: exactly. And, and this list sort of does follow the spreadsheet a little bit uh, with, you know, our, our top three, or our top two colors are Arjunport and Huru. And then after that actually is Rekano, which uh, doesn't, ap- the Rekano one, Free Fire doesn't appear, which is the four cost, uh, give a unit plus one and life steal and quick draw invoke Rekano. That one doesn't appear in our list. But then next is uh, Felm, uh, and then after that is
1: Stone Scar. Yeah. So besides I, for the Ricano one, they sort of follow the list. I, I do love Sweet Dreams, um, but I would put the I would put the Ricano one up there. I've had a lot of success with that. Um, if, when it comes down to cards that stand out in my mind as cards that just make my opponent concede on the spot, the Ricano Invoke card is right up there. Like if you if you get, if you go into combat, kill their unit, gain a bunch of life, and then draw a card, that's it's very demoralizing for them. And I and I can say that because I've gotten so many concedes that way. <laughs> it's it's just brutal. Um I haven't had that experience with Sweet Dreams, the Huru one, which is just sort of like an expensive fast speed rebuke. That's not an amazing card, but it is uh because it has invoke, you know, you're gonna play it. Uh, but I'm not uh, as high on that one. Uh, I do love Sweet Dreams a lot. Uh, playing a unit at fast speed and then giving it two health by itself would already be pretty good. Um, but invoking on top of that is is usually backbreaking. Uh, the only problem, of course, is that you do have to, like, there's some setup time for that. You have, have to have a unit in the void. It has to um, be worth getting back. Yeah. Uh, but it's still that's still one of my favorites um i would say frostburn needs to be on this list frostburn is a really good card frostburn is the um skycrag one uh that either deals two damage to an enemy or one damage to two enemies also it costs three which is one of the reasons it's so good um and then it invokes skycrag uh i'm never unhappy to have a frostburn in my deck if i end up uh, skycrag colors it's one of the reasons i would end up there actually um, and then yeah. wrong turn is fine. Uh, it just, but there's a lot of, uh, like definitely wrong turn is going to kill something. But the fact that you can sacrifice a relic to it is often relevant actually. And um, I don't know, uh, your opponent chooses what dies. You know, that's it, it makes it a little less powerful. I think one of the reasons it's so high on this list is that so many people are doing really well with Stone Scar. Um, and you're not going to take a wrong turn out of your Scar deck. Uh, and because I just play less Scar than any other drafter in this format, um, I, I, I'm not going to have wrong turn up uh, that high on my list. And I can't help that. I can only evaluate stuff that I would be willing to play.
0: My question is, there are a number of invoke cards you would take over
1: um, Searing Fest. Yeah, I would take Augmentation. Well, I mean, I would only take Augmentation for sure. Well, also I would take Frostburn. I would take I would take Augmentation, Frostburn, uh, and Free Fire over Searing Fist. And then the others I would take once I was playing. Once I was pretty sure I was going to be playing one of the factions that it was in. And there's a few that are a little bit weaker, like uh, the the Praxis one and pull f- and the uh, Combre one, uh, Ramba's Challenge and Pull from Duty not as exciting i don't think curiox's hunt even though it only costs three um is that exciting that just that gives a unit killer and invokes in um, a lesion Uh, unless i have a lot of good targets for it in my deck already because it's the sort of thing where if you're giving something killer you want it to be able to take uh, another unit out without dying itself ideally um, and then Midnight Disappearance, I love a lot just because Xenon is a good um, Zenan is a good faction combination. Um, but uh, I don't know by itself, I haven't had a ton of success with it, so I would put it in sort of the middle tier. There's really no bad Invoke card actually, but the but the I'm gonna I'll just say the the ones that I really like again: Free Fire, Frostburn. Uh, stolen augmentation, and then sweet dreams. If I'm pretty sure I'm going to be in uh, either shadow or primal, and then the others are all kind of a, a mess below that. Um, that doesn't reflect the, our spreadsheet. Uh, it's just my my personal take on it.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that's a, a fine place to be. And uh, I think I just want to close out this episode with uh, I, I forced hot to come up with our t- our official <laughs> top five uncommon list. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, here it is. Yeah. Uh, so num- number one, we have Brigade Hall. Number two, Terriox Mount. Number three, Victimless Crime. Number four, Cloud Scraper. And number five, Toxic Wisp.
1: Yeah, I feel like Toxic Wisp shouldn't be number five, but I- I'm okay with it.
0: All right. Yep. I mean, you know, you made the list. So you're you're disagreeing with yourself right now, but... Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, but that's... that's... If, if, I'll tell you, if there's one key to uh, me being successful at Eternal Draft, it's the fact that I'm willing to disagree with myself and adjust how I think about things.
0: Over the course of an episode. we, we oh, like Yeah,
1: that. over the course of a single game sometimes.
0: <laughs> so I think that'll be the end of our show here. Uh, thanks again to all our patrons for making the show a success. And for those of you who are not patrons, a reminder to give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or Stitch stitcher or google play you can join us in our discord we've gotten a lot of new folks in the discord recently it's been really great a lot of chatter and uh, i think part of it is you know the new set uh, people are excited about the draft changes it's been a pretty fun draft format so so come join us if you're not join the conversation and then finally a reminder to give a thumbs up to all of raven dragon's reddit posts about the show it really helps support support it and get the word out and uh Of course, don't forget to send in all your 7-Win deck lists you do to the Discord or email address at farmingeternal at gmail.com. And remember to keep on farming. Have a good night.
1: Good night. Goodbye.
0: Nailed (laughs) it.